Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Game Store Profits, the podcast where a couple guys get together to talk about geek culture and god culture. Uh, sadly, my normal co-host, Luke Navarro, is still wrestling with computer gnomes and their awful evilness. Uh, so sadly, he has not joined me for this. I believe we are on episode 32. Yep. However... I was able to con uh, my friend Brett Anderson to come back on for ep for another episode. Uh, so Brett was happy to, to sign up again. He was, you know, he liked talking to you guys before, and seeing as I didn't get a inordinate amount of hate mail from <laughs> from the <laughs> listening audience, we decided that he'd come back for another episode. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get any friend requests, so we're all good. <laughs> See, I mean, it, you know, part of me wanted to just tell everybody to just friend you for no good reason. Just send like go on to our Facebook page and be like, here's Brett's page, friend him like mad. But you know, it, it's we'll, we'll figure we'll save each other time because I don't know about you, but I have you know given a lot of my free time, which granted is not that much right now, but pretty much all of my free time is devoted to a little game called Torchlight Two, which came out yeah very recently as the at the time of this recording. Okay. Uh, so, so tell me about that because I I'm not like you where I you know I'm I'm not much of a D and D player or role playing game. So tell me about it. Torchlight is I've I've often referred to the Torchlight. Well, now I can say the tor the Torchlight franchise as the poor man's Diablo. <laughs> uh, Diablo is the end all and be all of top down button clicky go through dungeon kill. Oh, so guy. it's not really a role playing game. It's a dungeon crawler. Okay. Well, yes and no. It is a role-playing game. There are characters that you can pick from. They are customizable. You are getting gear. You are uh, using skill trees to determine what sort of character you're playing. So in the technical aspect of a role-playing game, yeah. it okay. is a role-playing game. Yeah, fair enough. But at the, at the same point, it is also just button-clicky, mashy, screen explode with a myriad of colors sort of... <laughs> Awesomeness. Yeah. Um, for those of you who might be like Brett and don't know the Torchlight Saga, uh, basically you and your adventurers are kind of investigating, at, at least in the first game, you're investigating this area called Torchlight, which is... You're, you're pretty much following in the footsteps of this guy that just referred to himself as the Alchemist. <laughs> Sounds like so many games I've played. Oh, it, it really is. And, and uh, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot of truly original storytelling, but it doesn't matter. Because there, it's, it's original enough that you're not like, oh, this is just like this, and this is just mm -hmm. like this. But... It, it throws you into this story. Like, you literally show up into town, and they're like, all right, go get them. And the storyline, you, you find yourself going into different portions of this mine, and you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And all the while, you're finding that the alchemist is pretty much slowly losing his mind. Hmm. He, start, he started out being a guy who was just investigating and searching through the mysteries of the past, but he's pretty much slowly losing his mind, being taken over by the evil powers that exist. And the very artifacts that he's hunting are the ones that are turning him. That's and pretty cool, actually. 
Hmm. Yeah, and and you, you fight with a lot of really cool guys. I like playing with the warrior in the first one because yeah. there's something just true. There's something truly visceral about just I'm gonna run up with two axes in each hand and just start like cleaving my yeah, just, way through. Ah! Um, I wish the audience could have seen what I was doing, but you know, is I wish I could have seen what you were doing. Yeah. I mean, forget the audience. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, and it it kind of does take a very similar tactic to what Blizzard did with Diablo, but in in its own way, it it adds other stuff too. Like uh, in the first you know first couple of Diablos, you're dealing with it's just you. And you might have, you know, if you're if you're playing a multiplayer game, you might have a couple other heroes with you. Yeah. Well, in Torchlight, you're traveling with a pet. Hmm. In the first Torchlight, it's pretty much this... I want to say it's just a dog, but the way it looks, it looks almost more wolf than dog. So it's like a feral dog. Pretty much. Yeah. He, he, he looks pretty ragged, but it, in this, at the same point, you know, he, he just looks awesome. And you're... you're Walking through the dungeon with this dog, and it's really cool because, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this in other games. When you're neck deep in bad guys, oh, sometimes, yes. sometimes, especially in like loot slot machines like Diablo and uh, Torchlight, people are dropping gold and items uh -huh. and whatever. And at some point, you have to deal. I mean, Skyrim was infamous for this. At some point, you're just like, crap, I have too much stuff. But there's this, really, <laughs> there's this really awesome thing I want to pick up over here, but I have too much stuff. Basically, what you can do with this game is, is that you can load your pet up with all your extra stuff that you don't want to hold on to and basically send Spot off to town <laughs> to sell your stuff for you. So he's like a merchant dog, feral, wolf right. dog. You, got, you just got to imagine this dog having, like, this backpack, almost having, like, saddlebags on your dog. You just load him up with stuff with a little note that says, you know, you know, give me what you can for this. Yeah. And then the dog just runs to town, gets, you know, dumps the stuff, gets the money, and runs back to you. Yeah, I'm, you know, picturing him with a top hat and a monocle, you know, being all surly, like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, but that's well, just me. And see, that that is, that's. Torchlight one, and I don't want to go too much into the um, the length and depth and breadth and height and all that of, of Torchlight one because you can get Torchlight really really cheaply, especially now that two is out. Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to change it between the time we're recording and the time we release this, but uh, we're always all about the humble bundle. Uh, uh, basically, it's humble bundle dot. I want to say it's dot com. Uh, if you if you Google Humble Indie Bundle, you'll find it. Um, you can get Torchlight as part of a package of games, and the, all the money goes to charity. Hmm. So I'm encouraging you to go get Torchlight that way if you haven't gotten it uh, beforehand. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I mean, I will. Al I'm always about uh, just giving all sorts of word out for those guys because the charity they support. It, it all the, literally all the money that they raise goes to a, a charity called Child's Play. It's a, a charity that I've mentioned here on the podcast. I've mentioned on our Facebook page. I've mentioned pretty much to anybody who will ever listen to me. <laughs> it's created by the Penny Arcade guys, and they get uh, basically they get video games and different activities, toys and stuff for kids that are in hospitals. 
They they actually work with hospitals. Now they're all over the world. And what happens is is that uh, any kind of hospital that has a children's ward where they have uh, chronically or terminally ill kids, the kind of kids who will show up at like 8 o'clock in the morning and, and literally have their treatment for hours on end. Yeah. So... The guys at child uh, the the guys at Penny Arcade created Child's Play to raise money so that these kids who have to endure these awful treatments, who have to basically live in the hospital, can feel a little bit more normal, can play Xbox or Wii or whatever with their friends, and you know take their mind off the horrible treatment. Because a lot of these a lot of these treatments they're basically lesser evils, yeah. from what I've heard. Yeah, I've I've heard the same. <laughs> Basically, the, these kids go through heck and back just to, so that they don't end up doing dealing with worse stuff. And so there, I uh, I believe it's childsplaycharity.org. Again, that's another one you can look up on Google. Um, but if you look on their page, there's a whole page of testimonials, letters that kids, parents, and even doctors have written into the charity to thank them for what they've done. Definitely do that. Check out the Humble Bundle for like six or seven dollars you can get 10 computer games and all the money goes to child's play so do that play torchlight experience the awesome i'm 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 done talking about the the, the storyline of, of torchlight one as of now yeah but that but that that's a cool idea that you're talking about that the thing that they do the child's play oh yeah and but but that being said now that i've set you up to you know if you you can even pause our podcast right now. We'll give you a second to pause the podcast, to go to your computer, to check out the Humble Bundle and get Torchlight because it's that awesome. As long as you come back. As long as you come back. Absolutely. Ready? And go. All right. Now that you've got that accomplished, um, I want to talk about Torchlight 2 because Torchlight 2 is the next in the series and it takes all the awesomeness of Torchlight and makes it even better. Hmm. Um, they definitely learn from their first game. And, Which and rarely games do. Rarely games learn from their first. Right. And it, it's really it's it's really interesting, some of the stuff that they've done. Like, like, obviously, because the first game was a success, they were able to put more money into it. They were able to thus increase the graphics and, and make everything more powerful. Um. At the same point, they've added little features that seem like they're such a little thing, but are really absolutely huge. For instance, you know that pet I was talking to you about? You had the dog. Yeah. And that was it. You had a dog, and he was friendly and loyal. He attacked stuff with you. Oh, and he sweet. Sold your... Yeah, I get an attack dog. <laughs> yeah, and he sold your stuff for you. Now, you get to choose your pets. Oh. And I, I will say that, you know, part, I usually don't buy into the whole, I'm going to make my guy <laughs> custom for my own stuff and it's going to be great. And it's going to be like Neopets. Yeah. yeah, I don't usually <laughs> buy into that, but I honestly had a solid five minute debate with myself as to whether I was going to pick the bulldog or the ferret with the goggles for my pet. <laughs> I, I know why the goggles got you, but that's funny. No, no. The, I did not pick the ferret, and, and here's why. Because the default name for the pit bull, at le- or, I mean the bulldog, at least when it showed up on my screen, was Professor. Professor. And I'm sorry, a bulldog named Professor, 
I want him in a dungeon with me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I have Professor right now walking behind me, and and he's all sorts of awesome because he his because of items I've gotten him, his bite now actually poisons people. <laughs> that's so. That's pretty spectacular. Yeah, when Professor comes to town, guys are moving. <laughs> but uh, not only not only can your pet. I mean, that's just a cosmetic thing. It's really cool, but it's it's strictly cosmetic. On the other hand, they've made it so that your pet can go back to town, and not only will he sell your stuff, he will pick up essential items for you. Wow. You can send him with a shopping list. I need this <laughs> many health potions, this many mana potions, this many scrolls of town portal, and this many identify scrolls. Go. And he comes back with it. It, I, it's. There have been so many times where I've been like, man, I only have like half hour to play this. I'm just gonna slog through this, and then I'm like, crap, I need more health potions. Wait a minute, professor, <laughs> go to town. <laughs> Quick, run to town. Lassie, go get Timmy. He's under the well. <laughs> but uh, but no, I I absolutely love this game, and I'm, and I'm not gonna lie, I will say that I'm totally suckered in. Because one of the new classes, there's four uh, character classes in this game. One of them is the engineer. Yep. So the the engineer is uh, one of the options is to have this this epic handlebar mustache and a monocle. And I I'm rocking a defensive construction engineer, which basically means I'm a wall of metal who makes robots. That's spectacular. I. You know, I do I really need to sell you on this game any any harder than to say I'm a wall of metal that makes robots. <laughs> Who has a dog named Professor? Who has a bulldog named Professor? Yeah. But yeah, no, I haven't been able to play it that long, but man, I, I'm gonna put long hours into this game. And not only uh to continue to talk about the the upgrades and increases, pretty much the first game was all about torchlight, the mine that you dig yourself into in the town that kind of is attached to that mine. In this game, there's a full, expansive, open world. Oh, wow. That's basically... I mean, it's not completely open in the fact that you do go to here, then go to here, then go to yeah. here. But you can go back into, into these little dungeons that you find over and over and over again, if you'd like. And they change up every time. And... Uh, I, I'm I'm exploring I'm currently exploring some kind of like desert wasteland right now as I'm searching for uh the guardian of mana and I'm like like this is just awesome. Yeah, but I mean that's like a serious step going from, you know, a mine under a town to oh let's just make a whole world. Yeah. Uh, oh it, it's great. I mean I'm at one point I hopped on a train to go into the desert and I'm like, this is just so cool. But yeah, they've definitely upped, the, upped their game a lot. Um, again, if, if any of this sounds interesting to you, and you happen to have a computer with uh, the Steam client on it, you can download Torchlight 2 for $20. So as far as games go, 20 bucks is not bad. Nope. As, especially as an when, Xbox player, that's not bad at all. Yeah, and especially because I can tell you that, you know, like I said, this is the poor man's Diablo. I mean that literally. Diablo will still cost you 60 bucks. Torchlight 220. Yup. Um, 
I, I will also say that I'm playing Torchlight 2, and if you get it, uh, you can find me on Steam and we'll play, and my engineer will slog through dungeons with you, and I can introduce you to Professor. I promise he won't bite. <laughs> um, so, so Brett, I, I know you were talking about a, a game that is quickly coming. I, it, it's right around the corner. Oh, it, it is right around the corner, and I've been waiting for this this game for a while. Um, Assassin's Creed Three is a game that I just ah, uh, just the entire franchise has been very close to my heart for a long time. And so, yeah, I was say, what is it about? I mean, I've played, I've played all of one, and I've played through two. I didn't, I haven't played any of, of three, which three was or, or uh, uh, two and a half, two, three point yeah, four, brother, yeah. brotherhood or whatever they called it. I didn't play that. Um, which, in all, in all fairness, it's not like there's huge leaps. I mean, they they kind of take the storyline a little bit further, but like. When I played the first game, I was like, this game is so freaking awesome. Like, I love this game. You can... It's literally parkour with, well, and with hidden guns and blades. Well, first one didn't have guns, but hidden blades and, like, all ninja, assassin, parkour-ish. And I will say, it's it's kind of epic. As, you know, when, when the first one came out, I was a... I, 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 wow, when did the first one came out? I think I was in college when that happened. It was a while ago. So, so I, was, I was, like, a Bible college student. And I had my, you know, map of the Holy Land out as I'm <laughs> literally riding my horse through the places that I'm studying. That was the other thing is there's so there was so much detail put into it. So much. And that that's one of the things I loved about it was there that literally was a place and the fact that you could get lost in the cities that you you know, you were trying to find the client that you assassinated, you'd get oh, lost yeah. yourself and you're like, Ugh, hmm. Uh, Wait, where I need to get to the rooftop to find out where yeah. I am. Let me, let me just climb up the roof real quick. Wait, I grabbed onto that windowsill with my fingers. What? <laughs> yeah. So, so what about what about this third one? Because the third one takes place in America, right? During yes. The, the, during the Revolutionary during this, War, what okay, I've heard is, is that like you're best friends with George Washington. You're like this Native American guy, and you're just literally emanating awesome. Like it's just it's seeping out of your pores. And well, I, I I heard that the, instead of the the hidden blade, you're you're you got a tomahawk. I think. Well, I don't know if they'd have that much cojones to take away the hidden blade, <laughs> but I'd the have seen blade a, is the tomahawk awesome. because I think they probably take away like throwing knives or either that or they just add the hidden the the tomahawk because have uh, because you didn't play the two three uh like two three point four and two and a half. <laughs> What happens... What, and, however we want to break down those numbers. Yeah. Like, this is another reason why I love the games, is you can't play backwards. Because it's like, the first one is so awesome that I, I didn't know how they were going to step it up. They, like, introduced half half of the arsenal. Like, now you get a gun. And a, a crossbow. And twice as many throwing knives. And all these other things. And then, yeah. like, in the next one, they're like, oh, you get, like, five more new weapons. And oh, then, and Leonardo da Vinci's flying machine. Yeah, and you get to fly da Vinci's flying machine, which, by the way, is a bomber. <laughs> and, nice. and then, like, in the last one, well, the, pre the previous one, it's like, oh, we're going to give you two guns. Or, no, sorry, two blades. Oh, nice. so, like, I can kill twice as fast? Yep. Well, then. Yeah, so, like, by the last one, in the most previous one, you're literally a machine. Like, machine. 
<laughs> just tearing through people like a wood chipper. Literally, that's that's what it's described. Like my my dad, he'll walk in every now and then when I'm when I was playing it, and he's watched me clear a battlement in seconds. Nice, nice. Because like there's this thing where like you'll block a guy and then kill him. All you have to do is press the X button. You know, I'm playing Xbox, or right. it'd, be, it'd technically still be the X button on PS3. You press the X button in the direction of another guy, you kill him. Like, just outright. He doesn't get a chance to block, you just kill him. So you, just, you, can, you can literally just chain across an entire wall. Anyway, the third game. <laughs> the reason I'm so excited about this, not only because they have to make it better than the previous one, it's like, I love, I'm, I'm a history geek, I love right. history. And I know that they do their research, and they freak out about all the little intricacies. So it's going to be awesome like that. But you can climb trees now. That was Well, yeah, it, it takes place in, like, the wilderness, yeah. right? Yeah, and that was, like, one of my shticks during the previous games was, I can't climb a tree. I can literally climb the tallest tower in Italy, jump off of it into a bale of hay, but I can't climb a tree. <laughs> I can't climb a tree, guys. Like, really. Oh, what Assassin's Creed teaches us. Yeah, don't climb the tiniest, trees. The tiniest bale of hay will break your fall from 60 feet up. Yeah. Oh, please believe me. It wasn't 60 feet. It was easily 200, well, maybe 300. Yeah, some, of, <laughs> some, of, some of them are insane. Yeah, I mean, well, that was the other thing. I love when my parents watched me play video games. Right. Because, especially Assassin's Creed, I was climbing. It was it had to be the tallest tower in the video game at that point. And, you know, my mom was watching me. She's like, wow, that's really high up. How are you going to get down? And then you know, I had a little smile on my face, but she didn't, she didn't see it because I was facing the screen. I get to the top, and you know I'm perched up like a little you know little assassin. She's like, as as Ezio is yeah. per, is prone to do. Yeah, and she's like, no, well now you got to climb down, right? I'm like, Pah, climb down, <laughs> and then jump, and that like I can hear my mom's breath just stop. She's like, <gasps> <laughs> so. you gotta love a video game that it's so solid in the way they handle things that people are actually affected. Like, yeah. oh my goodness, I can't believe you did it. What? Oh, you're fine. Okay. And then, and then when right. I landed in the bale of hay, she's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's what I'm looking forward to most about um, Assassin's Creed Three is the amount of detail they're gonna put into it to top the previous one. Because I've seen I've seen trailers where you're running through the snow and your footprints stick around. Right. Like previously, when you like you were playing a video game where there was in the snow, it. It's, well, you, there was no footprints. It was like right, oh, I guess. graphic graphic engines can only handle so, so much. much. Yeah. And what? So I, I'm just I'm geeking out about how awesome this game is going to be because the Assassin's Creed franchise has a really strong track record, and this is supposed to be the last game. And it's the American Civil War, oh, not Civil War, Revolutionary War. And I'm a history buff, and this it's like, you know what? I really I couldn't ask for a better game. <laughs> so. I, I will kind of ask, and I don't want to go, again, this is going to be, we try to avoid spoilers here, so I don't want to go into it for people who are, are also chomping at the bit to get their hands on this. Yeah. I remember when I first played Assassin's Creed, I was not aware of the whole overarching story that goes beyond the, I'm going to run through Jerusalem assassinating crusaders oh yeah the storyline is amazing there's the whole there's a whole science fiction element of 
you know, we're tra- tracking back through your, you know, family's genetic history. Yeah. And there's the, the, the whole Templars versus assassins is still going on in modern day. Uh, like, is that is that still a huge part of what's going on with the other Assassin's Creed games? Oh, definitely. Um, it's just in the previous two installments where it was like 2.3, 2.4, they had they slowed it down because um, they were most of it was working on multiplayer and you know establishing Ezio as a super awesome guy to get three games. But um, yeah, they 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 forward the storyline. In really a kind of unique way, because you know Ezio is this huge, big guy who get three games. And spoiler alert: like mute your everybody out there, mute everything for like five minutes, or not even really five <laughs> minutes. Just don't listen. What happens is, you know Ezio he gets he gets into the Vatican, kills the Pope, because the Pope's a Templar. And so at this point, you're just like, dude, no one can stop me. No one on the earth can stop me. I'm Ezio. What's up? And so you walk into, like, the inner sanctum of the, the Vatican. You know, you slam down the Pope staff into this little niche, and then a secret room opens, you go inside, and, like, this alien hologram comes up to you and starts talking to Desmond. What? Through you. It's so insane. Like, I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh, I can't take this. This is so cool. Like, I almost, I start hyperventilating, and I, <laughs> it's, it was so cool. See, I mean, stuff like that is just awesome. I love a game with, you know, I'm I'm a sold out, you know, if your story is awesome, you can even make a crappy game. If your story is awesome, oh, yeah. I'm going to buy it. Like that, I, I want to check out this game Dishonored because everything I've seen about it, it looked just so amazing. And I'm intrigued by the fact that it's kind of like Assassin's Creed. Oh, likewise. I'm in the, intrigued. In the fact that you're, you're sneaking through things, mm-hmm. or you can. I mean, you can just... Much like in Assassin's Creed, you can just wander into town just slaughtering wholesale, but that doesn't get anything done. Um, no, it doesn't, because like your target, you just start booking it. It's like ah. right. So there are there are whole uh, like, and, and unlike there's there was a game that, that Luke and I have kind of pseudo reviewed in the past because we both ended up playing it with high hopes and both of us kind of got let down. Was the game uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution? And in that game, they're like, oh, yeah, you can totally play as the sneaky guy, the computer hacker. You don't have to be all combat heavy. But then there's these boss fights. Oh, yeah. And in these boss fights, you have to have a big gun and you have to know how to use it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to die. Like, that was the big complaint about that. Well, apparently, the guys who made Dishonored are like, okay, we've heard about this. We've seen what happened with them. We're going to make a game where if you want, you can go through and, like, not kill anybody. There is a way to go through this game killing no one. That's interesting. I've never heard of that. And, you know, in a, the, the game is definitely going to be kind of rough and tumble, kind of ridiculous, because um, the tagline, you know, every at the end of every trailer, especially for video games, there's, like, that tagline. Yeah, the tagline for for uh, Dishonored is "Revenge solves everything." So you'd figure that that would be all about I'm going to kill so and so and do this and do this, but according to all the developer diaries, they're like, no, no, there is a way to get through this game and kill no one. I'm... And I am very intrigued by about that. 
Yeah, because pre- I, I mean, I was intrigued by this game when uh, my friend Matt Weber brought it up. Like, because you know he's geeking out about this game. I'm sure he's gonna get it first day it comes there, out. There's definitely. I mean, come on, it's it's basically a dystopian future with you know metal oh, yeah. robot like walkers going through town, and you can like there's all sorts of almost pseudo magical stuff that mm-hmm. your guy can accomplish. Yeah, but I mean, that aspect makes me act like that that might be the tipping point as far as me sitting on the fence post effect that, you know, because that's, that's the one thing I didn't like about Assassin's Creed was um, like it, I had to try to be sneaky sometimes because like, right. you know, if I went in, you know, this is my target, like after I got a certain amount of weapons, I could literally walk in the front door and just be like, yo, what's up? I'll kill yeah. all the guards and I'll just chase you down. Well, in, in Dishonored, that's of uh, there is a way to do it to do that. You can literally just walk in, look the guard right in the face, and take your sword out and hurt him to the point of you know bloody dismemberment. Yeah, like that's an option. <laughs> yeah, but the option in Assassin's Creed wasn't there to literally, you know, work everybody around so you didn't have to kill anybody, but still that mayhem was right. wrought. Right. So I'm I'm intrigued very much so by that. That sounds awesome. I think I might. Well, I, I definitely get the, the vibe as I'm as I'm looking at these trailers, seeing all the promotional stuff they're doing. You definitely get the vibe that like I don't even know what the, the main character's name is. I, I vaguely know what the plot is. Uh, apparently, he's he got set up, and you know he basically he got dishonored as a bodyguard because there's this grand conspiracy that took out the person that he was guarding and betrayed him. Hmm. So there's all sorts of stuff like that going on. Uh, but it seems to me that they're painting this character, this main guy, as a definite anti-hero. Oh, yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to always fall back on the anti-hero. I'm not that guy. I'm not always the guy who, you know, I don't always want to, you know, play Wolverine or, you know... It, random, you know, tough, I don't talk to anybody, but I'm really a softy and I'll always do good. Yeah, I gotta be the greater good hero, you know, the anti-hero. Yeah, I I don't always want to play that guy, but every once in a while, I want to play a guy who's just a jerk. Yeah, the guy who who takes names. Yeah, the guy who walks in, who kind of tweaks everybody out, who, who will do everything to get his way. Like, I like playing that guy. Like, currently, I'm playing in a D&D game, and we just started a new campaign where we just finished our second session in this campaign, and my guy is, he's evil, on paper and in reality, he's evil, in the fact that uh, he, he will do whatever it takes for him to get power. Not because, you know, he wants to just smush, you know, others down below him. Or, or kick puppies. Know, yeah, he's not a puppy kicker. I refuse to play a puppy kicker. I've said that before. Uh, but he's just the kind of guy who will just be like, I, I want to rule you because I'm the only one who has the ability to do it right. Like, my guy is very much like Lex Luthor in that regard. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. I'm, not, I'm not being evil. I'm being practical. There's a difference. Fair. That's fair. And so, like, like I had to deal with the fact that the the goody goody characters in our game kind of won out, and so my guy has to come at it from a different angle. 
because he was I, I my whole big thing was that he was hunting for this thing called the chaos shard. He was hunting for it. He needed to have it. He was forsaking his buddies if if he got a lead to go get it. Well, we get to it, and basically my game master says, "All right, you three want it for different reasons. Roll to see who gets it." And I'm like. Oh, this is going to come down to a dice roll. <laughs> and I didn't get it. And my that, so I had two options as far as my guy's future storyline. I had the option of I'm going to make this guy's life miserable until I get what he has or I can my guy can try to find power outside of this magical object because because the guy who ended up getting it is a guy who's like this thing is an evil artifact and I'm going to destroy it. <laughs> so I, I basically reworked it. I go, I go, no, I don't want to be that guy who basically ruins the game, constantly trying to steal the item from his from the guy who's he's playing with. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And and also as far as in character, I'm like, I'm like, that's far too much work. Yeah, and and I think I, I when we got it, I think my guy kind of got it was kind of anticlimactic for him. Like he thought he was gonna have like like semi phenomenal near cosmic power, and it was basically this trinket that made him hit harder. And he's like, "Eh, you, know, you go and play with your toy." <laughs> so my guy now, like our plot is, we're gonna take this ruined city, and we're gonna rebuild it. So my guy said, "You know what? Let them play with their toy. If they want to, if they want to take it and destroy it, this gift that actually we could use for our betterment. If they want to destroy it, that's on them. I'm gonna build this city up in my likeness. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna surround me with people that are loyal to me, and I'm going to fill this city with people who will do what I need them to do." And so my guy has already started, like, he's, he bought off a tavern keeper in the, the first town we started off in. He's like, I can give, I can promise you that you will be the only inn in town as long as you do what I say. The guy's like, absolutely, let's do this. So now I've got, <laughs> I've got, him, my character's got him in my, in, you know, it, I've got him in my pocket. And I want to get more guys, I've got other NPCs that, you know, we're getting thrown at. And I, I want to just keep surrounding myself with guys who are loyal to me. And that's going to be my guy's shtick. Like, at some point, he's going to look at the players and be like, sorry, guys, town's with me. That'll be but an interesting day. <laughs> it will be an interesting day, especially because I'm, I'm the guys I play with, they're only, we've been playing for a long time. When we first started playing, probably half of us had never played a role-playing game before. And so then there's guys like me, and I've been playing since I was 16, and so I've been doing all this like story stuff and they're only just now getting into the whole idea of what's my guy's motivation, what's my backstory. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, you know all, they, all that stuff you let me get away with? Yeah, now it's going to bite you in the butt right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the more I play him, when, when we first started talking about this and I first started playing an evil character... Like, he's not my first evil character. But at the same point, like, it's the first evil character I've played since I've had a wife who asks me about my game and about my character. And the first time I had to look at, at, at Susan and be like, 
well, honey, he's kind of a manipulative jerk. And she's like, what? I go, yeah, my guy's evil. She's, but <laughs> ha, is it is it a like I've convinced her that D and D is not going to lead me down the path of of demon worship, but at the same point I kind of lost ground here because she's like you're playing an evil <laughs> character. <laughs> so you know I it kind of got me thinking. The more and more I play him, um, the more I've come to realize that. Evil like stories, as far as, as stories have been concerned since people started telling stories at all, there has always been this idea of a bad guy, of a villain, of evil, of an even and even in these stories we're talking about uh, now with Assassin's Creed and Dishonored, these are anti-heroes. Yep. Assassin's Creed is about a guy who goes through and just starts killing wholesale. Yeah, more but or less. at the same but at the same point, you want to root for him because he's taking out the bad guys. But he's, you know, he's he's doing it in horrible ways with, you know, you end up, you know, that hidden blade that we talked about. There's there's something epic about when he leaps on a guy and, and stabs him with that hidden blade. Mm -hmm. This is not a guy you want to emulate. This is not a guy that you want to hold up as a role model. Not really. So, I mean... What do you what do you think, Brett? I want to I want to throw it out to you. What do you think about the whole idea of of evil as a, a kind of a a way to show goodness or or evil characters, even playing evil characters, and what that might do for stories? Uh, well, as as far as playing the evil characters in like video games and the like, um, it's it's not the best because uh, I'm trying I'm trying to think of how to explain it. It's, it's not the best, you know, exercise in which to do it, but I've noticed that a certain amount of empathy has been drawn out of me by doing it. Um, you know, when I first started playing Assassin's Creed and I realized I could just, you know, open up a can of wholesale slaughter, I did it. I was just like, this is sweet. I'm like, a, it's not like, a, I can't, like, you can't stop me. I'm a whirlwind of metal and yeah, death. Yeah, I'm a whirlwind of death. Come at me, bro. No, and then <laughs> to a certain extent I realized, you know what? There's, there's, it's not that doing this in the video game is wrong. It's just, what does this show about my character? Mm. Um, like, what does this show about, you know, who I am on internally? That, you know, a second I pick up a control, I'm like, okay, you looked at me wrong. <laughs> Punch in the face. What are you going to do back? Oh, hidden blade. No, it's like, and then that's when I started, you know, trying to be sneaky and, you know, play the game with killing as many, as minimal amount of people as possible. As weird as that sounds, but... You know, it gets to the point where I think doing so, it draws out the humanity in you. Or at least it can. Like, the more you see somebody act in this absolutely heinous, awful sort of way, yeah, the, the um, more you don't want to be that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted, there's still the argument where, you know, teens playing Halo makes them more violent. It's fair. Um, uh, there's definitely. I mean, we have we had a whole episode where we were talking about that. Yeah, the violence that is caused just because people play Halo and stuff like that. That's fair. That's a valid point. But I can say, at least for me, I've seen the amount of empathy that has come out of me because of playing these anti-hero games. Well, one thing that I've noticed, and and I I think you know I'll just start referring to my guy as by name. Uh, his name is Thomas Mycroft. And playing Thomas, I sort of realized that a lot of times 
what we assume to be evil isn't as cut and dry, dark, menacing evil as we want it to be. Nope. Because in a, it's it's really easy to side with the good guy, and go against the bad guy, when the bad guy is pure evil and the hero is pure good. Mm-hmm. But now, now you can contradict me if if if. It, it's warranted, but I honestly think that I can't recall anybody that I've ever met that is 100% good or 100% evil. It We don't work on that kind of, of paradigm. Even those of us who are, you know, sold out, like, I'm, I'm following Christ, I will do what is right, I will, you know, I will serve God in everything that I do. We're still dealing with the fact that sin still exists in our life. We're still dealing with the effects of that. So we're not dealing with the fact that we're 100% pure good. We're always the good guy. We're always doing what's right. Um, and Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that, you know, you there are, there is no clear-cut example of a good guy, save alone Jesus, but... Well, yeah, Jesus kind of has the added bonus of being mm -hmm. God. Yeah, but I, there, there are certain examples that I kind of have to disagree with you on. The, you know, the pure evil example in humanity of bad guys. I mean, people jump to Hitler, but I would say people like I think it's either Vladimir Stalin or Putin. Right. Um, no, there, there are. I, I, I did speak a little broadly. I'm not saying that. Oh yeah, I realized all, it was all, a, all yeah. bad guys are just misunderstood. I, I don't want to... I mean, there are some guys doing some horrific stuff out there. Yeah. And and they'll bring out justifications left, right, and sideways. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't even make it conscionable. I'm, I'm just saying that on in my day-to-day, -day, I don't hang out with those guys. Fair. I try... I, I do not, you know, hang out with guys who are, who are bringing about genocide. These are yeah. not my day-to-day. -day. Yeah, I know. I see what you were saying. Okay. Uh, I'm talking about my my day to day villain, my mm -hmm. my guy that really bothers me, my my person, you know, the person that I I bump into that all they always seem to just do whatever they can to to get on top and really try to like I had I had a boss when I was working in this uh, coffee shop, he took credit for stuff that I did oh. to me to me, he tried to convince me that the stuff I was working on he was doing for me. And I said, uh, uh, how? How can you do this? <laughs> and, I, you know, he threw me under the bus for stuff I didn't do, and he always was really up front and center when it came to the day that we were getting inspected by the higher-ups, but every other day he would just disappear. And, you know, I, I, I treated this guy, as far as my mindset was concerned, this dude was pure villain. He was my foil in the picture. If there was going to be the story of my existence through that time of my life, that guy was my villain. And I, you know, back then, you know, I, I before I really started doing this whole study of evil thing, I, I just saw him as that. He, he's just a jerk. There's no redeeming quality. There's nothing that could ever make this, you know, make this understandable. And, you know, looking back on it, I, I realize there's a lot of stuff that goes on with this guy's past. A lot of, 
he doesn't just spring up a jerk. Yeah. Now, granted, there are some people where that's just the case, but there are few in my in, in my own personal experience. More often than not, jerks come with a, a horrible history. That, that somebody made them that way. And so, you know, doing this study of evil, I try to 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 dig beneath the you're being a jerk, you're doing wrong things, you know, you're manipulating people. I get under that and try to find out, like, why are you trying to do this? There, there's, you know, sometimes I discover that they're just a jerk, but a lot of times I'm finding that I'm discovering all sorts of hidden hurt, uh, other side kind of motivation that I never would have figured out. There's all this other stuff that goes into why this person is the way they are. Yeah. I do that. I find that out by playing games where I'm a jerk. So I, I don't know. Have you ever had a lot of time playing? I mean, granted, we we talked about the Assassin's Creed game. Have you ever played any kind of thing where? I mean, well, we could even bring out. Warhammer. I mean, you're playing the Dark Eldar. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm playing. Those guys are not pleasant. I mean, yeah. I'm. The, I'm one step short of playing the bad guys of the grim dark future, which actually, as soon as the models come out, I am going to be playing Chaos Space Marines. But um, which, oh, oddly chaos. enough, yeah, Chaos. I'm the bad guys that hated themselves so much they decided to secede, and now they're hiding in the warp. But actually, I was thinking of uh, what was the game called? Uh, it was a video game. It was a Star Wars video game, The Force Unleashed. Yes. Um. Love that game. It's a Star great game. Star Killer, right? Yes. Got dude's name Star, is Star Killer. Killer. He was such a cool guy. And, you know, another great example of an anti-hero. Where, you know, he tries to do good and ends up, you know, literally cutting a bloody swath through every stormtrooper on the face of every planet that he's ever yeah. been to. Um, and then what they did was they released a, <clears throat> a Sith uh, version where it was pretty much the same game, and then there was a couple bonus missions for um, at the end, where you were literally a Sith Lord. Where I think at the end of the first game, at some point, or the second game, some uh, it was the first game, you either get caught by Darth Vader or something happens where you're back under his control. Right. And you know, you choose. You know what? I realize I'm wrong, Darth Vader. I'm sorry. And then you know, he smacks you around, rips your arm off or something, and you become a Sith Lord again. And you know the mission, like the missions were visceral. Like before, it was, you know, I I'm doing this because I feel so. Now, like there was a clear cut difference between these missions where I'm doing this and I have all the power ups, and my point is to go in, literally force push a hole in the wall, like the building I'm trying to get into, kill a guy, cut a bloody swath out, and. Like, I guess the point you're trying to ask is, that was, like, Force Unleashed was one of the games where I played twice. Um, it was, I think it was Force Unleashed 2, I played twice. Because it, they they allowed you to diverge between being a really good guy, or being a kind of good guy, mostly bad though. Right. And I played the good the, the good one first, because I, I don't want to sound cocky about it, but it was easier you know, as far as my empathy was concerned, to, you know what, I'm going to knock that stormtrooper out with a force push or, 
I'm going to say he's not dead even though he's limp because I force pushed him into a wall. Right. And, you know, try to avoid, you know, using he's lightsabers, fine. throwing he's lightsabers fine. and killing people. Yeah, he's fine. You know, he's not, just going to walk that off. Not literally throwing slaughter everywhere I go. And then after that was done, I decided, you know what? Now it's time to do the bad side. And that's when it was just, it was so easy to just <laughs> open up a can of slaughter and just kill people. And that that was one of the things I was talking about where I realized the difference between, like, you know, trying to be a good guy and just, it was almost second nature, it seemed. Like, it, was, it was so easy in that game. Just kill, 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 kill. I'm done. What's next? Well, oh, there's a guy over there. The games that I really like, where you get to play the evil guy, it's not just, I want to dwell on some kind of fantasy where I get to do all these ridiculously awful things and that guy I hate, I'm going to shoot him in the face. Like, I don't like that game. Like, like that's why I kind of got out... Uh, what's it called? I played that one game, uh, Saints Row. Oh, that yeah, is, I avoid those games. wanton ridiculousness for uh -huh. no good reason. Um... But at the same point, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend them. But at the same point, I've played uh, Grand Theft Auto 4, where you're playing this guy who is an immigrant who is just coming into town. He's trying to make a, a life for himself. And he, he gets mixed up in this whole uh, mafia underground thing. And he doesn't like being in it, but he just finds himself trapped in this, this, this dark, nasty place. And I like stories like that because it allows, in my head at least, it allows for the idea of redemption. Yeah. It allows for the fact that, you know, sometimes this stuff happens. Sometimes people find themselves in situations where they feel trapped. Like, they feel like there's only one way out. And it's to, you know, cut the bloody swath through, through, the, mm -hmm. through your enemies. But I like to play these games where they offer up that other option. Like, you know what? Yeah, that's an option. That's one way to handle this. But have you thought about doing this? Like, and I also like games that, that deal with not just, you know, I'm going to be evil for no good reason. Like, again, Saints Row, ridiculousness. You're At one point, you're dressed up like a gorilla just blowing up buildings. Yep. Like, I, you know, that, that doesn't do anything for me. But, but games like uh, Fallout 3. Fallout 3, one of the, the evil options you have is there's a, a town... We're the very first town that you show up to that has an unexploded nuclear bomb in it. It's called Megaton. And this this guy, and it's 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 this guy is pure evil in my head. Um, this guy comes up to you and said, you know, I'm I'm incredibly wealthy. I look out of my tower and I see Megaton, this pile of trash and, and uselessness, and it ruins my view. Can you blow it up for me? Hmm. And so this guy basically pays you with a briefcase full of money to go to Megaton, set that nuclear bomb off, because in his mind, Megaton is an eyesore. Like, that's pure evil. Nuke a town. But at the same point, you don't unnuke that town. If you decide, all right, I'm going to be evil, I'm, that's a lot of money, I'm going to do what this guy tells me to, that town is gone. If if you're looking for supplies, um, unless you want a healthy dose of radiation, you can't go to Megaton because it's a crater now. Yeah. Those people that were going to give you that quest to do this awesome thing, they're dead now. 
And like I, I like that idea of playing evil and, and understanding that evil comes with consequence. When, when you're out there and everything you do is for your own good, because if we want to go full-on D&D definition of evil, evil is not necessarily the, the shadowy figure in the darkness. Evil is basically, I care about me. I don't care about you, I care about me. Whereas good is, I care about other people above myself. Mm-hmm. And and really, I think we can kind of make that argument from a biblical perspective too. That you know what you know when Christ calls us to follow after Him, it's all about you know put away yourself and and serve others. Whereas everybody He yells at for not doing what God has called them to do is they're the ones taking care of their own and puffing themselves up. Yeah, like the uh, the rich young ruler, who you know was all ready to go. He was, he was like. You know, what do I have to do to be a disciple? Sell all your things, give it to the poor. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, Davis. that was a good about joke. That. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. thanks for playing. Yeah, so like, I I like exploring that evil because if you really look at the narrative of scripture, that evil shows up, and it it doesn't really show up favorably, but it shows up. You know, there's lots of you know, quote-unquote villains in Scripture. There's a lot of people that do terrible, awful things. At the same point, there's a lot of, of people that get get put out there as the villain who are just trying to, you know, defend their own land or, you know, yep. take care of their families. Well, I think that's what brings up the anti-hero. Right. Someone who, you know, has that ruse of, I'm doing this for a good cause. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys that do unspeakable evil in the name of doing something good. Well, cuz that was that was my example earlier was uh, I think it was Vladimir Putin who realistically was worse than Hitler just he won and got to write the textbooks. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, and then you get you get guys like uh Stalin who say if we're going to win this war, no one can retreat. Anybody who's retreating, we're going to shoot you. Oh, yeah, so it must have been Stalin instead of Putin, but one of those two. Yeah, he was, he was basically like, he's like, anybody that runs, we shoot them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he ended up killing more of his own guys than he did anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you get a bunch of people that are, are dealing with this, this these decisions that they make, these decisions that have, have weight and, and painful reality. David had the decision... You know, I love I love David. I love David. I love Peter. There are these guys all throughout Scripture where I just love talking about them in the reality of them. Because everybody's like, oh, yes, David, he's the greatest guy ever. David <laughs> took all the worst sins in existence and in one evening committed all of them. Yep. Or plotted to commit all of them. Well, yeah, because, like, that's the thing. I... Uh... The small group that I have at Drew University, we we brought up uh, David and Bathsheba, and you know we were talking about it, and I was like, "Well, guys, how how bad do you think it was? You know the whole Bathsheba thing." And they're like, "Well, you know, he committed adultery and you know killed some guy, you know Uriah, one of the one of the guys in his army." I was like, "Well, wait a second. Do you know who David's mighty men are?" And they're like, "Well, yeah, isn't that you know something in First Chronicles or First Kings?" It's like, "Yeah." Uriah was one of those guys. 
Uriah was one of them. Yeah, Uriah was one of them. So that means, guess who David knew personally? Uriah. And so, yep. you know, that's when their faces go a little bit wide-eyed. And they're like, so they were they were kind of like best friends, right? Yup. Like, and we, we do that a lot of times. We want to talk about these guys that are in Scripture and, and put them up and raise them up without understanding that they make awful decisions at times. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love bringing up, you know, all these guys, like, like decisions like, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Like, these are not good decisions. <laughs> and, you know, uh, there's something to be discovered when you put yourself in that circumstance. There's something to be discovered when... You, you find yourself neck deep in in somebody else's situation. You know, that, that's why I like playing evil characters. That's why I think stories need villains. You need, because stories are filled with good guys who aren't that good and villains who might have a point. Yeah. Those are the best stories. And whether it's in scripture or in history or in purely fictional stories, the best stories are always the ones where you're just like, really? That's how we're doing this? And and you find yourself exploring all the consequences, all the backstory, all the, the stuff that got us from point A to point B. And... You know, all it all it takes is one bad decision. That's another thing I've discovered. We all we often want to paint the like certain people, in, even in our own lives, in these horrible, horrible light. And and I don't want to sugarcoat what what they'll do. Like, I I when I was in Texas, there was a guy who who everyone thought that his wife was murdered by some guys who robbed her. He did it. He killed her. Wow. Like that was a guy in our church. And one of the most powerful things that our pastor said, he got up there and he says, says, I don't want to, to take away the awfulness of what this man has done. But at the same point, we are all one or two bad moves from being where he is right now. We are all one or two bad decisions from where he is. So don't think that we're so far above him. And I'm just like, wow. Because a lot of times, that's what ends up happening. A lot of times, the villain is just the guy who made a horrible decision and is just dealing with the consequences of that decision. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make him a good guy. But it it, it gives you a whole idea of how maybe instead of... of searching for their destruction maybe we should be searching for their redemption maybe we should be praying that they find christ maybe they found christ and we pray that they return to him and kind of like take and cast aside all that crap that's getting in the way it gives you a whole new understanding of what the word villain means mm-hmm. so i you know i i love talking about this stuff i love talking about Doing all this stuff that that people might ha- might it might sour their stomach a little bit to talk about this stuff to talk about playing evil characters when you know we're all supposed to be about righteousness and, and serving God, 
but I, I think that, that there definitely is that place, and it's, it, it's the problem of evil. It really is. It's, it's not a pleasant thing, but I think that, in a way, God is, is taking this crap, this sin that we find ourselves in, and saying, you're right, this is awful. I could either just let it sit there, or I can teach you something from it. And I think I think that's where we need to be. We need to start looking at at what can God teach us from this, as opposed to just sitting back and pointing fingers. Mm, definitely. So, Brett, is there any way that you know people can kind of find out more about you and what you're up to? Um, outside of the podcast, uh, not podcast, um, blog that I have. Uh, professional ver uh, professional verbs dot wordpress dot com I think is how it's set up. Yep. That um, and you know what? Maybe friend request me. Tell me <laughs> tell me who you are um, if I don't ask you. But you know, I, I I will say that anybody who any one of our listeners who has friended me on Facebook and there have been a couple of you, they've always uh, preempted that with a message that says. Hi, I listen to, to Game Store Profits. I'm not a strange weirdo person. Okay. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You listen yeah. to us. Awesome. Sure, we can be yeah. friends. Yeah, because I'm pretty uh pretty preemptive on the okay, I don't know you. Delete. But right. yeah. So I mean that's pretty much it. I'm not I don't have the you know, palpable internet presence as Mike Perna, but what about yourself? Uh, I I show up a little bit of everywhere. I have the kind of overflow blog from us here. Uh, it's perception-check.com. It's where I talk about all the stuff that doesn't fit here in the pot in the podcast format. Mm -hmm. um, I have I'm on Twitter at Shadow of Cyrano or Von Clockwork. Uh, Von Clockwork being my steampunky fun times. Though I, <laughs> he he's kind of been silent lately because you know there's just so much stuff that's going on. I just don't have time to keep up with all of it. Oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> but um. You can also get me at tinkerstory.com. It's the, the kind of archive for some stories that I'm, I'm kind of working and editing and tweaking to, into a book. Um, I also, if you email us, which we hope you do, we really want to hear from you guys about what we can do to make Game Store Profits better. Um, GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. I'm the guy who answers that. Uh, as always, you can check us out at GameStoreProfits.com. And you can see all of our past episodes and stuff like that. Uh, you can also see us at facebook.com slash gamestoreprofits. And our Facebook, we're still pushing, pushing hard to get 100 fans by the end of the year. Uh, it's still early. We, we are currently, at as far as recording goes, we are at 62 likes right now. Um, yes. We really want to build up this community. We want our Facebook page to be a place where people can can put stuff up there, share what they're going through, share what they've found, um, even connect, you know, do stuff like that. Um, we want to just continue to foster that, and so we want to just keep bringing more and more people in to to grow the community so that we have, you know, a collection of people together who, who really love geeking out and really love serving God. So definitely check us out there as well. Uh, as always, guys, we thank you for listening to us. And always remember that God is the game master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.